Welcome, internet friends, to the Pixel Play podcast, the podcast where two grown-ass men get together to talk about everything they love and hate about video games, the gaming industry, and to come to you with random topics to entertain you for the next hour or so. I am one of your hosts, Kalen, aka Catastrophe, joined by my co-host, Adam, CS Radical. And this weekend, we're... Or, wow. That just... I just tripped up on that. Oof. Yeah, we're, you know, we're going to roll with it. We're going to, this is our second attempt. We're just going to roll with it. Ladies and gentlemen, in this week's episode, we are going to be talking about uh, the console wars and who's winning. Is is PlayStation being competitive enough in it? We're going to be talking about backwards compatibility. Uh, Does it even matter anymore? And we're going to be talking about E3, the publishers who've signed on, those who haven't, and whether it makes sense to do so. I'm going to be coming to you as well with a untimely review. That's a little bit more timely this time with Hitman 3. All that and more. But first, let me ask, Adam, how was your long weekend? Uh, it was wonderful. Thank you so much for having me here on the Pixel Play podcast where two grown-ass men get together and talk about video games. I'm your other host, CS Radical, and here's how an intro sounds. Ha! Fine. You do it better than me. <laughs> Are you happy? I admitted it. We've talked about this before. Look, look, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm just putting another notch in my belt, but you know. You've been gunning for my job or like my 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 billing spot since we started this, haven't you? And then you, you open the door for me and then I just kick <laughs> that sucker in. I give you one taste of being the intro guy and it's just and gone I want straight to your more. head. It's gone straight to your head, sir. <laughs> But otherwise, the long weekend was nice. I was smart and booked the Thursday off, too, so it was a four-day weekend. Using that big brain of yours, eh? And it would have been nice, too, if Outriders servers had stayed online the entire time, but no! No. So I probably spent half the time I would have been streaming it not playing the game, because I couldn't, so... So how Uh, much have you been playing of Outriders? I just hit, I think it was level 18 or 19. Yep. So I've probably put maybe like 10 or 10, 15 hours maybe in it. But like... Yeah, the server's been really un, really unstable. I know a lot of people have been bitching about it because that's what people do on the internet. I know, shocking. Um, online games just always seem to have this problem. It's kind of the problem with, with games being an online-based service. Now, granted, there could have been a single-player aspect of this where you could play it offline, but I don't know. It's I kind of expect this game to be like Destiny, and Destiny's generally all online. So, uh, yeah, you're just going to have to deal with the fact that you kind of need a connection. So this wasn't something that we had necessarily talked about, but I kind of want to hear, like, you played the demo and you really liked, like, the demo slash beta. How is it comparing? Like, is it is it more of what you wanted? Is it next level? Like, how does it compare? Well, getting actual, like, boss battles and seeing some more areas and the cutscenes not having audio sync issues, uh, it's it's really nice. However, on the at the same time, playing a little bit more now, you start to notice more of the flaws. There are, there are a few things that are, like, pretty bush league like the cover system is not as good as it could be like it's not as snappy as you'd like it to be i feel like you know if if it was a little more akin to like what mass effect was you know at its best that would have been better or even like a gears of war and then some of the levels the way that they're designed because they're the way that the the difficulty works it's an ever-growing tier or and you can set it to wherever you want but it gets harder and harder if naturally if you just keep playing Mm mm-hmm and I don't think it's the issue of difficulty so much as the way that the game relays you information on the map because things spawn. And you know how a lot of times when you play a game, if something spawns, it comes out of like a black room just as like that's where the spawner is. Or, you know, 
you see them coming out in the distance. No, sometimes guys just appear out of the ground, like out of nowhere, and they're human. So it's not like they dug themselves out like they're a freaking like bug or some shit. So they just happen to appear. It's just the way that some of things, some things are designed. It's a little, I want to say unfair because it doesn't give you a chance to really settle down. Because especially if you're playing solo, you are a massive meat shield. Yeah, like you're you're gonna get torn up no matter what level you're on. So okay. Now, it's 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 a little thing, but most most of my complaints are genuinely pretty little because the time that I do spend in it is still really fun and really satisfying. But man, it's one of those things where like the more you play, you're like, man, if you just fix this one thing, I'd be complaining so much less because yeah. I want to love you more. So my question then to you is being as like this is a games as service kind of game, right? In your destiny, your anthem, your massive or uh, not mass effect, your Avengers where do you see this one landing? Is this going to be more of a destiny or is this going to be more like an anthem? Where does that fall in within that spectrum? I mean, it's hard to tell until I get to the end game at this point, but I mean, as it stands, like it's at least gaining my interest more than other games have. Like Avengers, even from the demo, I knew I wasn't going to enjoy very much. Uh, Division, I've never really put a significant amount of time into and I've played both one and two. Anthem, I never got around to because I had a feeling it was not going to be good and I'm, I was right on that one. So, I mean... In this sense, like, I'm getting a similar vibe to what it is with Destiny. I really do want to keep going back when I can, although it's because I stream it. I mm-hmm. don't play it in my off hours, so I try to stream and play that. So I'm not, like, having people miss out on certain things. Go for the plug. Where, where, so, where can people find you streaming? CS Radical on Twitch. There you go, ladies and but gentlemen. But, yeah, um, it's, it's one of those games that I really am finding myself, like, wanting to go back to. Although I don't play it nearly as long as I think I would have played Destiny. And I think that has more to do with just me being an overall burnout, so I can't play a lot of games like that consistently as, as for long hours. So who knows? But at least in the time that I do spend with it, I'm not like leaving it being like, this game fucking sucks. Although my last stream, I kind of had that just because one mission specifically just drove me crazy. Mm. So I'm hoping so, that that doesn't come up again. So you think this does have legs? Like, Does it differentiate itself from the other games of services? I think being third person and actually being like a pretty competent shooter and having pretty really good loot. And the one thing that I like about it the most is that with Destiny, for example, if you want to get a piece of armor with the specific perks that you want, you know, and maybe like having like being on this kind of stat level that you're looking for, you need to constantly keep getting that armor and it re-rolls and re-rolls and you got to hope that you get the right one. In, in Outriders, you just... If you have a mod that you like, you dismantle the gear so you keep the mod forever, and then you just put it on whatever armor you're wearing. So if you just have a better stat set of armor, you can just take it to the gear guy and put that mod that you like on it. So if you want to use this specific attack, you can put this on that gives it more damage or makes it run longer or gives you a second one before it has to go into cooldown, stuff like that. Or in the same with weapons where if you just really like running Toxic... You can just put Toxic on any weapon you want. You don't have to keep waiting for that specific role to have Toxic on it. So as a Destiny player, I'm thinking, if I could have saved myself four hours of fucking running the same missions trying to get this one version of the gun I wanted, I would have been so happy. So are you are you thinking that there's going to be like less grinding than, they, than there is in traditional games of services? Maybe, in, at least in the aspect of getting the gear you want, but it seems like there's still a lot going on. And with the expeditions and, and obviously the world tier difficulty levels being pretty hard to attain as soon as you start getting to a certain point, like there's 15 of them and I'm at seven and it is fucking hard. Mm. So I can't imagine 
what eight's going to be like, and certainly can't imagine what the double digits are going to be like. Because after three, every world tier you unlock raises every every enemy's level up one. So now at seven, I'm playing against enemies that are always four levels higher than me. Okay. So they're dealing much more damage. They're dealing. They they can take a few more hits. The, the trade off is that you're going to be more likely in getting some really good gear. So right. it's 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 the trade off. It just you think about it and you go, wait. So if I play the hardest level possible i may have a, a amazing chance to get some cool shit but i'm playing shit 12 times my level mm-hmm. all right now it sounds interesting like i've seen people talking about it but as like single player with you know limited time i you, like, yeah you, it's, it's a timer thing but you can easily play that solo that's pretty much what i've been doing for the entire time yeah i mean it's definitely something i'll, I'll probably look into at some point but it's just it's not grabbing me right away i've been uh playing well i started cyberpunk 2077 again the patch does seem to do some significant improvements to it uh enough that i think i'm going to give it a shot and go it seemed for to it. help a lot with um with pro and one x it still seems like it's a bit rough for the base consoles but it seems like they've oh, gotten yeah. at least like it's manageable now on most places yeah so i'm playing it on my ps5 and it's like it was good from what i understand it was like decent on the ps5 before um, there's still like a bit of clipping issues and I was playing that first mission, you know, where you go and like rescue the girl from like basically like a body farm kind of thing. Uh, and at one point there's like a very pixelated gray thing on the door. I'm like, what the hell is that? And then I run in front of it and like suddenly where I am, like the shadow turns white. So I'm like, oh, okay. Like it's still some rough around the edges, but at this point I think it is sufficient as in terms of a game and, and playable and it's acceptable in that sense. Yeah. Not saying it's radar is impressive but it's playable at this point it's already had its chance i'm waiting till uh till the official upgrade patches in because by then they'll probably fix most of the problems by that point yeah i guess my question is i just i don't know how much it's going to change like i guess my question is like how many of the flaws are ingrained within the system and like it's just not going to be impressive no matter how long you wait or you know will it make a difference if you wait till the you know the next gen updates i mean we won't know until they get to that point right because you you never know how much polish can be done when they have a little bit more time right yeah but i imagine like by the time that that next gen comes out like there's gonna be a whole bunch of new exciting next gen games am i gonna want to go back and play cyberpunk i mean depends on how much they charge me for it well, I think the I think the upgrade is supposedly free, is it not? Well, no, I mean it's like since it's since everybody got refunds on the store. Uh, so like on my end, you know, it's it's a matter of when it gets put back on the store. Is it full price again? Do they do us a little bit of dealing to try to get you to buy it again? Like what happens? That's that's the interesting question yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah, so this was not something that we were planning, um, but it's been a nice little insight into what we've been playing and going over uh, outriders and kind of first impression so i'm going to kind of see how that goes um but what i was thinking we could start talking about is let's like look into the console wars and My i know favorite everyone kind thing. of i know everyone cringes but like i don't know are you where do you fall on the whole console war idea like for me i i think it's fun i'm not you know actively fighting in the trenches in that sense but like it is fun to have your camp and kind of root for it where do you fall on this whole idea it would be fun if we could be responsible and, you know, cordial on the internet, but since we aren't, it's not fun at all, <laughs> actually. You know, yeah. anytime anytime I look at Reddit, I'm like, hmm, 
Well, this is what the PS5 board is saying on, on Reddit. And, oh, look at that. It's a lot of Xbox hate. I wonder what the Xbox forums does. Oh, it's a lot of Sony hate. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it can get that way sometimes. <clears throat> but I, I wanted to talk to you. I mean, we're almost five months into these next-gen consoles. You know, we've been hearing a lot of news coming from Xbox and what Xbox has been doing. And Sony, for the most part, has been really quiet on that front. And I kind of wanted to see what your thoughts is or what your thoughts are in terms of, you know, how are both parties doing? You know, is either one succeeding? Are they both succeeding? Are they both failing? Where do you kind of fall on this? I mean, we're five months in, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Anytime, anytime I hit live on a podcast or a stream, all of a sudden my throat's like, hey, you want phlegm, right? No, no, that does not help at all. <laughs> Gives you that deep, um, raspy voice. Yeah, no shit. Um, I don't care enough to go, like, who's winning right now because Mm -hmm. and also i don't own an xbox so i have no validity in the argument i can just all i'm gonna say is like i play my playstation and i'm happy with it but there are there are a few things that like i can say for sure xbox is winning if you're looking for a deal because as we all said from the very beginning game pass is going to be a big seller and sure enough what's it done it's gotten a lot of attention obviously putting outriders day one mlb the show will be day one you're seeing all these games getting right off the bat, being put up there for you. Yeah, that's a win. If you're a gamer, that is a massive win. And if you're looking at Sony right now, I mean, apart from if you got the console at launch and you were getting Demon's Souls remake and you were getting Bug Snacks and you were in, you know, other stuff, nothing has really been like the holy shit, here's the big counter from Sony yet because Ratchet's coming soon and we're still waiting to, we're probably not going to be able to see really where each console is at until the fall, because that's when at least they'll have had a, about a year to start seeing where that library is going. So I'm not, I'm not at a point to start being like, okay, that person's winning right now. I'm more in the line of being like, all right, Xbox is doing the smart thing that they've needed to do from the very beginning, which is get people in the door. Sony is doing what you would expect anybody who absolutely trounced the last fight to just kind of stand back and just 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 have fun in, in their victory lap that they're doing right now and then if they need to turn up the heat i mean they have horizon 2 coming oh, i guess for lack of a better term on the horizon um oh. you know they have got a war ragnarok probably next year who knows what naughty dog is working on if they have another uncharted coming down the pipeline there's so much stuff that could be coming that Obviously, until we see like what E3 shows us, which I'm I'm sure we'll get into in a minute, in a little bit, um, and really by the time once we get through the summer, where most companies are telling you like what Christmas is going to look like for most people, it's still too soon to really like point a finger so much as it's enough to be like, all right, who's on a good path right now? And so far, the answer is Xbox is on the better path, only because Sony really hasn't told us what the path is. Yeah, I'm of the same mindset, so. I mean, we've talked about this before. I am a huge Sony fan. I I got the PS5 day one. Like, I really enjoy Sony. Like, even my basement theme is PlayStation. So I I might be a little biased in that sense. But, like, for me, I'm happy with what Sony's doing. But I can see that, you know, they're they're not doing much. They're not really kind of competing in this sphere. You've got Xbox, who has made big moves in terms of buying Bethesda, putting their games on Game Pass, uh, getting Outriders Day 1 on Game Pass, and even, like, getting MLB The Show uh, as a a game, like, Day 1 
games uh sorry getting them as like as an exclusive day one for games pass like those are all huge moves and it seems like every other week we're hearing something big that xbox is doing and we haven't heard anything from sony like the only thing that we've had is we've had like one state of play that just talked about a couple of the indies now granted xbox hasn't done that either but i feel like xbox xbox had very little expectations when people when it came out and i feel like it's exceeding it and i feel like sony had a lot of expectations in the sense of you know their their big hook their big thing is we have massive exclusive you know great first party games and we haven't seen those like we had miles morales bloodborne or not bloodborne um dark soul no demon souls and sackboy those were like the three big exclusives and now like the next one that's coming out is ratchet and clank which i'm excited for ratchet and clank but i would not say that that is top tier like sony that that's kind of like the b level it's going to be good but it's going to be okay like it's it's not going to be the one that's going to blow all of our minds xbox never really had that exclusive library that they need to kind of sell us on like their thing has been look at the service look at what we're providing you look at the value like you said and so i feel like sony needs to sort of address like hey this is what we're planning this is what we have coming down the pipe this is why you bought the playstation 5 because right now for me it's drying up in terms of games to play i mean i'm now playing i just finished playing hitman 3 uh, i'm playing cyberpunk i'm looking at playing ghost runner so like i'm not looking at big sony exclusives and first parties and like reasons for me to like advertise it even like assassin's creed valhalla that was a xbox game like in terms of advertised and promoted through there so i think sony needs to kind of start getting in the fight a little bit and getting a little bit more aggressive in terms of why we should be buying a playstation versus an xbox not that you can buy any right now i mean it really depends like when we're talking who's winning it really depends on what you're looking at too right because, I mean, if we're just taking overall sales figures, I mean, we've pretty much come to the conclusion right now that PlayStation's been doing better. Mm-hmm. They've been they've been above Xbox in sales, which is not surprising considering how PS4 had the, the obvious factor of just being as good as it was that people just kind of lean in that direction first. Yeah. So... You can if you if the battle really is just sales numbers. Well, Sony's winning right now, regardless of what Xbox is doing. That's why Xbox is doing what they're doing. They need to counterbalance. You know, obviously, as you said, they're not running the exclusives game very hard, so they need to do something else to offset that. In the same way, the Nintendo has their own niche that they do for theirs. So, yeah. the whole thing with the console war in general, to me too, is like it's really just whatever the game is to you. Because to me, the console war doesn't mean the same thing to you or or whatever the console war means to me is not going to mean the same as like anybody else that's a gamer. Cause you might be looking at what the library is being your big reasoning. You might look at sales figures. You might be looking at the value. Like there's so many things because I mean, for God's sakes, there are people that think Xbox won the console war just because they don't think the, the series X looks as ugly as the PS five. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what's, what's guess- the, what's the criteria? And if it really just depends person to person to me, it's, it's kind of a wash at this point because I don't think either of them have had enough time to really showcase what they're going to do yet. I guess, I guess I'm not looking at this in the sense of a console war because, I mean, that can switch so quickly. I just meant in terms of, you know, five months in, who's got who, who's doing a better job, you know, pushing and promoting their next-gen console? And I think that that is Xbox. Well, if it's just from a marketing standpoint, then, yeah, Xbox is winning in a landslide. Yeah. 
X- I, Xbox I, is like a, at this point in terms of marketing, Xbox is basically like a major league team playing a bunch of little leaguers right now in terms of how sure. much they're pushing. For sure. I guess my question is like if you have if little Billy's sitting at EB Games or Best Buy and there's no, there are still a lot of PS5s, but there's an Xbox Series S sitting on the on the shelf. Are they going to say, you know what? Xbox has a pretty good offering that maybe, you know, I'm going to stop looking for that PlayStation 5 and I'm going to go with that Xbox. And I mean, it might be that, but then again, at the same time too, not everybody has to go the console route because most of the things you can find are on the PC version of Game Pass as well. So the option exists, not to mention the uh, the streaming service they have. So there's ways. And, th- and I think that's the thing with, with Xbox as well is that they wanted to do, I think they had in the plans of doing like a TV stick that could just be Xbox Game Pass for streaming. So yeah. It's, it's so hard to tell. It really is going to come down to like, especially in 12 months when we have like a full year to really see what each console has done so far, especially after, you know, June or July or whenever we get like most of the presentations. So we know what the next like six months is going to look like. You know, we're obviously going to have a better idea of what we're seeing here because I mean, right now it looks like Xbox is winning, but that's only because Xbox is literally the kid in the back of the room just screaming constantly, right? Yeah, so for sure. You're you're hearing Xbox over and over again, and in the same reason that like yeah, Coca Cola is probably winning the war of 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 soft drinks because you can't go five seconds without hearing about them. So, granted, it's not a bad thing if you're if you're getting your name recognized. It's just a matter of does that automatically mean you're winning just because you're doing stuff? That doesn't always mean the case because I mean sometimes a sports team at the trade deadline can make like fifty moves, but it doesn't mean their team's automatically going to be great come playoff time. So. By the end of this year, when everybody's going to, well, assuming we're all go, we're all able just to walk into stores happily, you know, with this whole pandemic thing still happening. Um, if you're walking into a store and we'll see by then, like who's standing in line for what console and who's buying what games for what, like what's selling, what's getting everybody to open up their wallet and during the holiday season, that's going to be a big part of it too, because that's when production lines hopefully will be ramped up a bit as well. So speaking of, um, lineups for christmas let's actually try and let's use that as a good segue to uh our next topic um with the holiday season coming up gaming let's um let's look at e3 obviously typically the big selling point for us uh you know comes together tell us what games are coming in the near future Uh, we did a little bit of an episode a while ago we were talking about e3 and how it was moving to an online uh, show and we got a little bit more detail this week um, so this comes from Christopher Dring at, I think it's Dring, at gamesindustry.biz. Um, so I'm just going to take a clip of it. Uh, E3 2021 will return this June in a digital form, as we told you earlier this year. Uh, and has been backed by Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, Take-Two, Warner Brothers, and Coke Media. K-O-C-H. Are you familiar with that one? It might be Koch. I have no idea. I don't know. Um, it's a strong lineup, especially. With the two platform holders on board, however, there are some notable absentees, including Sony, EA, Activision, Blizzard, Sega, Bandai Namco, and Square Enix. Uh, this year's show will be online only, but the very details are available besides that. Just a second, ladies and gentlemen. He needs that water break. He's been talking too much. I don't know what's happened. I just got something at the back of my throat. So uh, let me rephrase. Uh, this year's show will be online only, but very few details are available besides that. The press release states that developers will be showcasing their latest news and games directly to fans around the world. The ESA working with media to amplify and make this content available to everyone for free. Gamesindustry.biz understands this may take the form of media-only days and streaming technology. 
Adam, if you name. were a head of a big gaming publisher, developer, would you be going to E3? If we were talking a physical show with a showroom floor, fans in attendance, demos on the floor, and a proper way to do a conference, yes. For a digital-only event, what's the point? In my opinion, yeah. I don't think E3 as a brand is is necessary for this anymore. Mm-hmm. If you if you if well, you don't even have to put anything out. You could literally just message IGN and just say, "Hey guys, we're gonna do a stream on the 11th of June at this time." IGN will report it. It'll get traction everywhere. You're done. Every anybody's gonna want to see your games because Lord knows we're desperate for any information. That's all it takes. I don't think E3 is necessarily needed for this. So if I was part of this, I'm going, especially because we heard the rumors of like E3 charging people even for the digital only stuff. If I knew that for just whatever little money that we spend on putting, getting a team together just to put a, a 30 minute package of video clips and, and brief interviews and looks at games and just throw it on Twitch or YouTube or wherever. That's already probably getting more bang for my buck in terms of marketing. So unless like, unless the E3 stream, whatever they end up doing, is going to be like this massive thing. But I'm I'm imagining if it's much like what E3 normally is, Sony still streams on their own channel. Nintendo still streams on their own channel. IGN's doing their own version of the stream. GameSpot will do their own version. PC Gamer will do their own. Like all these places will do their own thing and people will all select which stream they want to go to. I don't see what E3 is needed here for if it's not a physical show. If it's just a digital thing, you're just, I guess, setting a schedule up for these people, but they could have done this themselves because I think they probably would just stick to the usual timing anyway because they know that this is usually when people expect all the news so they know what to do for the next six months. Let's just keep doing that because, you know, marketing is a creature habit. You, You always try to get the specific time during the day for primetime television for your ads, because that's where you're going to get the most exposure. Most people know that June is when the big gaming news comes out. So why would you change that? I know last year we kind of did that just because everything was all, all over the place. So we kind of had to figure it out. But we've had 12 months to prepare for this one. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, it's not like I'm going to be mad that E3 is existing. I'll be happy when those days come out because I'll be able to watch some streams again, see all the information, check out all the cool stuff I'm going to be able to maybe buy six months after they get released, because I don't usually buy day one, but that's beside the point. But at least to be excited about stuff. It's just, did the banner need to be put there? I am not so sure, honestly. Yeah, I'm I'm of a similar mindset. Like As a gamer and an enthusiast of the hobby, I definitely want a E3. I thought one of the biggest issues last year was that it was so chaotic and so spread out. Like, it was basically e3 level content spread over months that by the end we were all fatigued and we were all tired i think the way like but the at the same time i don't know what is e3 offering in terms of a value proposition to companies for them to pay to attend because i'm assuming there is going to be a fee to attend what is the value proposition like you're streaming a show there's nothing i mean everyone did it last year themselves so I don't know what they're necessarily offering. Yeah, what are they telling developers that we aren't privy to right now? Well, that's the thing. I mean, maybe it's a way of 
maybe it's one of those things where they're offering, you know, a, a consistent like way to do sort of online panels, I guess, make it more like a PAX in that sense. So have like, hey, the big conferences are here, but like there is something in the sense that if they can rally up the interest from the people that were guaranteed that there's going to be attendance, right? Like that's that's one of the things I think that was suffered last year is that it was so chaotic that, oh, like I don't know when all these shows are happening or you have to make sure that you get that attention. Whereas if they say, hey, we have everyone's attention and we've got, you know, the mainstream um attendees there so we've got your IGNs your game spots there ready to cover it maybe that's something that's worthwhile I can see yeah like I said the the conference idea if you have like exclusive conferencing that you know if you want to do closed door if you want to do open door if you want to do demos like that might be something that they're going to provide in terms of a service but in terms of just saying hey come do our show so that you can be seen on our show might not do much like it it just comes off like summer game fest right yeah exactly Although it's I just apparently that, more condensed. That's really the difference. Well, I think that might be a, a, one of the selling points of E3 is that, hey, everything is in this one little week or three days or two days or whatever. And you have everyone's attention at that point. You're not having to constantly bring everyone back in two, three weeks later saying, hey, we have a conference coming up now. It could be more you know, set up that way. I do feel sure. like there needs to be some sort of value added to it, though. It just, yeah, it, like, it, it's cool if it ends up, like, forcing all these people to come together and just stick to a very small time frame. Sure, I guess it works out nicely for us, but, again, like, you asked me, like, if I'm a developer, my immediate question is, well, yeah, okay, fine, I get a date, I guess, but what's what else is in it for me? Because I can easily just, like, if I'm, like, let's say, I don't know, it's like Capcom. If yeah. I'm seeing that, oh, okay, well, they're putting getting a bunch of people together, and they're putting them all in this time slot. Okay, well, how about I just do my own thing and just put it around that time frame anyway? What's the difference? Yeah. Like, why does E3 have to be attached to it? That's that's the thing that I'm confused by. It's, yeah, they, E3 could have said like, oh yeah, we're going to do this around this date in June. And then every developer could have just been like, all right, well, I'm not showing up, but I'm still going to do something close to that date because that's when everybody's paying attention. You could easily yeah. just do that solo. I, I I don't know what E3 is bringing to the table that just suddenly makes Capcom or Microsoft or, or Nintendo to go, oh, yeah, no, this makes sense for us. So unless yeah. we get it, there's information, like I said, that we don't know. Like, for us as gamers, we're sitting there being like, well, that's cool, but is there a point to this? Yeah, I'm wondering, like, if there's going to be, like, they said it's going to be a digital event in the sense that, like, they're going to be streaming conferences and stuff. But, I mean, it's still what two months away three months away like the way that the vaccines have been rolling out at the u.s like maybe it could be something where there is a small in-person presence or something like that well i think because they've already come out and said it's digital only i think they've probably pulled that away at this point already yeah i mean i know that you know depending on where where you are in the states like literally the blue jays just played the rangers in texas and there was forty thousand people packing a stadium wrestlemania this weekend is going to be in tampa bay and they're expecting thirty thousand. so yeah who knows? But then again, those are also outdoor, so that's that could be different. But e- either way, like we don't know what June's going to look like. We don't know what August will look like. I mean, we certainly don't know what the fall is going to look like. But, but then I guess I, I don't know. That- it just seems like it seems like at this point, like they've probably just figured, well, let's just cut our losses here. We'll be back next year, and we'll see what happens then. But then, then again, it just answers ask the question one more time. I should say, like, what's the point of a digital only E three if all it is is a bunch of conferences? 
the only the only thing I think it can make sense for is if you are a smaller developer, you know, you want to get seen, like you won't get the attention if you come out and say, hey, we're doing a conference this week. If you're a small developer, no one's going to care or it's going to be a very small audience. But if you like, I'm thinking like something like WB, like I don't think WB would have the traction if they're like, hey, we're going to be doing a conference or even take two is going to be doing a conference. Like they're not going to get that traction. Whereas if they say, hey, a bunch of us are getting together and we're going to do like a a conference together. That, like that's where the E3 might be the value proposition there. Here's the thing that I just thought about that I'm actually surprised hasn't been instituted because everybody knows E3 for being, especially if you're not at the show itself in person, you know it's the press conference event. That's what mm-hmm. E3 is to you. It's press conferences. It's mm-hmm. game reveals. It's, it's trailers. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly surprised because if you go to any convention, what also happens aside from the big content? There's always these smaller rooms in the venue where like, either fans themselves or smaller, much smaller, like creators or like studios will do like their own panels. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked that all this time with all the streams that they do that, like, let's say the big streams are like from 6 PM to 9 PM when it's like on, on a Tuesday night or whatever it is, what's stopping them from 12 to six being like, all right, 12 to 12 30, we got this developer. They gave us this 30 minute video and they're just going to show off this one game that they're making. It's like a, like a 30 minute demo just to show off. I can't like now that I think about that, there's how you fill up some time and make your event look good because not only is it just, you know, Nintendo and Microsoft doing their thing on stage, then in between or before or after or whenever, like wherever there's dead space, you know, all of a sudden you pop on this because it's just a fucking video. It's not a in-person demo. It's not like somebody has to play this live. You can literally just pop in a video that they've already edited down to 25 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever you needed to slide it in there. And here you go. There's some extra content. So people have something keep to keep watching. And it gives these developers a chance to show off their stuff while everybody's either waiting for the next big conference or they just came off of Nintendo's thing and they want us. And you know, you got a chance to see, you know, maybe maybe they catch like the first five minutes of your thing, and maybe your game is something interesting enough that you know they they want to watch. I'm yeah, surprised so think- that they don't go that route. That that's what would make more sense as a digital E3, because demos are a big part of E3. So mm-hmm. maybe that's something that maybe they will do, but we don't know. I think you're right. I think I think maybe what is the value proposition of E3, and the value proposition is an audience, right? So maybe E3 is going to have something for us where they're like they are going to entice the the average Joe like you and I to watch it and be engaged. And then they go to Sony, they go to Microsoft and be like, look, we are expecting, you know, a couple hundred thousand concurrent viewers at any given time. Do you want to come in, you know, be part of this? And then, you know, Microsoft's like, yeah, we're going to do it. Then they go back to the small developers again and be like, look, we've got Microsoft coming. Do you want to be part of this? And it's just one of those snowball effects. So maybe that's where, what it becomes. And I so, mean, either that or they do something else where it's just like, okay, well, Capcom just had their conference. Now we're going to also have a 30-minute demo of this game that they have. Yeah. Like, I could see, like, bring a value proposition for us to come and watch it. Like, do, dem- do like, live demos or do, not, like, live, but, you know, have day-and-date launches. Like, hey, this is going live now. This is happening now. You know, get online and try it out. Like, make it almost the experience that you would have if you were there in person. Right. And even do like time demos like this is only going to be available for the next two, three days while E3 is happening and then it's gone. Right. Yeah. So there, there's a know. lot that could be done. It just it's 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 April. We're 
basically two months away and the information is so little that it's like, I don't think they have any plan. I think they were just like, we need to do something. Just do yeah, we something. Can't, we can't go two years without any three or else people start thinking they don't need us. So I think, I think that what they need to do is they need to bring us in and then the developers will, and the publishers will come in with us. Yes. Yeah. All, all, uh, two people that watch our show, but that's, that's hey. a hell of an audience. Yeah. Hey, it works. It's not, it's not quantity. It's quality. So we're talking about new games, but let's talk about old games. So one of the things we've been talking this week, uh, or this episode seems to be kind of revolving between comparisons of Sony and Xbox. Um, one of the key differentiators between the two is their approach to backwards compatibility. So Xbox has been making a huge push for this in terms of Xbox Game Pass, backwards compatibility. Uh, what's that program that they have where it's like, there's a, ter- there's a term for it or whatever, where you know, you get like the best edition no matter what system you play on. So you can play an X- Xbox Series S on a, you know, Xbox One or whatever, and it'll upgrade or whatever or downgrade as it needs to. I can't remember what they call it, but I know what you're talking Either about. Either way, Microsoft is building an ecosystem where no matter what system you're playing on, no matter what game you are playing it was designed for, it kind of works. And they've been getting a lot of praise for that. And Sony, on the other hand, has been struggling a little bit. So... With Sony, they've been slowly doing like upgrades and you know backwards compatibility, but it hasn't been as pushed and as prioritized as it has for Microsoft. And I kind of want to hear from you in terms of: Do you think this is going to be a, a, a this is something that Sony should be focusing on? Like, does backwards compatibility matter? The short answer is no, and the long answer is I'd still like it. <laughs> You know, you know, if I'm being completely honest, and I'm not trying to be a dick, but um, the vast majority of gamers do not give a shit about playing 360 games on their Xbox One, or not their mm-hmm. Xbox One, their Series X. That's not to say that they shouldn't do that. That's not to say that some people don't and really love it. But let's be completely honest here. There are so many games on the market right now, unless you basically just follow what the hype train says, in which case there's not that many games, apparently. I, I Anytime I hear people say that, I'm like, do you guys look at the store whenever, like, or do you guys just literally do whatever the company tells you to buy? Is that what's going on? But there is so much stuff. I, think, I have... Wait, wait. I think I said this episode that there's no games to play on the PS5. What are you saying? Well, if you're talking first party, yeah. <laughs> And if you're talking Sorry, specifically PS5 games, yeah. But right. if if you play, if you're still if you still have a PS4, you're sitting there being like, I, I'm glad I know there's no PS5 games. I'm still trying to catch up. Yeah. Sorry, I I side rail, I, I sidetracked us. Go ahead. But um, like I have Final Fantasy X, Ten Two HD Remaster on my PlayStation Four, and I want to get around to it because I haven't played that game since I had it on my PS2. However. Outriders just came out. I still have Miles Morales to go through at some point. I also have two Tomb Raider games that I haven't played yet. I still have all the other games that I'm playing like casually, like Fall Guys, Enter the Gungeon, Noita, not to mention anything the Game Pass might come up with, not to mention any freebies that PlayStation Plus might bring next month. I mean, they just brought out a couple sets now, although Oddworld's not really my thing, and I've already gone through Days Gone. It's not that great. I'm I'm kind of not surprised it's been it's a free game. <sighs> But uh, Adam, like, there's that zombie army, like horde mode shooter. But why there's is just it that every time cascade. we talk about Sony games, you we uh, Days Gone is not as bad as you portray it. Oh, Days Gone is pretty brutal. 
No. It is boring. No. It's so boring. It is not a boring game. Like, Either that or it's just maybe I'm zombied out. It is a good game. It is... I would. I was not. I'm not gonna say it's underrated because it's not. I wouldn't say it's overrated either. But like, it gets a lot more shit than it deserves. Like, I played it and doing those hordes is super fun. Riding around your motorcycle is awesome. I really liked the story. Like, I thought it was a really good story. Probably could have used an editor a little bit in terms of cutting it down. But like, I thought the gameplay was awesome. I thought it was fun to go around and like fight the zombies. You know, get attacked by a bear, whatever. Like. I think it's a good game. If you haven't played it and it's on PlayStation Plus, I think it's one that gets a lot of crap. Well, I mean, if it's free, try it anyway. No, but I mean, like, people are, like, dismiss it always. Like, oh, the day's gone. It kind of sucks. Blah, 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 blah. Like, I think it had a pretty cool story. I really liked the relationship between uh, Deacon and his wife. Like, I thought, like, the cutscenes were awesome. I thought his wife was, like, super cute, and I just loved the relationship that they had. I think it's really good. Does it have its flaws? Yeah, it's kind of awkward at times. It's a little long. Like, it's probably longer than it needs to be. But it's fun, and the gameplay's fun. And so I'm not trying to die in the hill that this is the best game ever or it's, like, a best Sony exclusive. But it's okay. I'll just go back to bashing the original trilogy for Uncharted just to keep making you angry. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, though, in terms of... But either of, way, the, the point still remains is that, like, for the average gamer, there's no time to go back and play your old library because there's a constant influx of games these days. So, like, backwards compatibility, it's not like I'm going to say it's a bad thing, but is it a vital thing? I don't see what's vital about it. It makes sense if we're talking the last generation. Like, you want to be able to, like, PS4 needed to be available on PS5. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do that twice in a row. Because people, if you want to make an easy transition to getting your new console, you have to be able to have them bring their games with them because they didn't finish every game. No. So they want to be able to have the opportunity. So that makes sense. But I wouldn't want to go back and play PS3 games or PS2 games out of my way. At that point, that ship sailed for, for the most part. Like Most people now, if you're getting a PS2 game, you're likely collecting or you're trying to get like old games that you remember as a kid that your parents probably sold off. So you're trying to get your collection back. Like, and sure, maybe you will play. Like, I've got, like, Chrono Cross on my shelf. Maybe I'd love to go back and play that again sometime. But am I going to find that time? I'm not really sure. I might be able to find time to pull up, you know, my old emulators and play, like, Super... Not Super Smash, like, Super Mario World or something like that for, like, 15 minutes. But, like, I don't have time to go reboot friggin persona three and play another like 60 60 hour rpg with all the other games that keep coming out at me so it really depends like if you're the type of person that is so heavy on nostalgia then maybe backwards compatibility is your thing but i think for the average gamer now there's such an overwhelming of new games that i don't know if it's like a priority I mean, it's great if you do it. I've seen people give the idea that PlayStation Now should start leaning more to the retro gear because they're clearly not going to put their big games on there because that's their that's their system seller. You want the money off of your Last of Us and your Uncharted's and your Spider-Mans and stuff like that. But if you say open it up to the old PS2 or PS3 library and just put as many of those games on there and say like, hey, you guys want to take a trip back in time? 20 bucks a month, let's go. 15 bucks a month, let's go. It would make sense. But I mean, yeah. I don't think they need to go out of their way to be like, because when they did the PS2 on PS4 thing, I thought it was cool, but I didn't buy any of them because yeah. I didn't need to. 
I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm of the same mindset. Like I have a collection. Like I've I think I've sold maybe three or four games in my in my lifetime since I've been playing video games to people and for the most part I keep them and I still have them. I still have my old NES, I still have my original Xbox. Like I have it all. I wish I could I say don't... that but my parents apparently didn't see the value in these things. I could have I could have made so much money selling old games. Yeah, no, I've never really looked into it. Like, I like to keep them. Like, some people keep books. But the amount of times, like, I think the amount of games that I've replayed, like, it's pretty limited. And it's never I go back and play, like, a game from 20 years ago. I find that we hold this nostalgia that, oh, man, this game was great 20 years ago. It's great today. And there are some. But, like, this is an this is a industry and a hobby that is constantly improving generally i mean people would argue but i mean it is one where it's built upon you know previous iterations so the things that we take for granted now aren't in those old games right there's a lot of bs that we've gotten rid of because it just doesn't make sense we iterate on each new game and each new console and we get rid of the things that don't make sense like the whole live system in games used to be bs and now we don't really have it anymore because it doesn't make sense so do i think backwards compatibility matters no, I think right now we're kicking and screaming for it because we're just looking for something to play. And we, we are looking at those old systems like, oh, man, I'm playing Cyberpunk right now. Um, my wife and I were playing Lego Marvels 2, and those are PS4 games. We're playing them on the PS5. So right now, does it matter? Yeah, but I don't think it's going to be something that you know, in a year or two years from now or even three years. Like you know, Production taking- lines are back up. It's not going to be an issue anymore. Nobody, nobody is right now kicking and screaming that they can't play their PS2 games on their PS4s because that's done. It, it's something that it helps with the transition. But if you think back to PS4, like it didn't work backwards compatibility with the PS3. And what do we end up doing is they just end up putting PS3 games on the PS4. Like they just either did like a, a re-release later on or they did, you know, available on both. Like I remember, I think it was Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Was it was there a PS3 version of that? I think there was. I mean, I assume so because I played on 360. So. Yeah. So like, I think, I think it's one of those things where. Did I actually, no, maybe I played that on PS4. Shit, I don't remember now. Looking it up real quick. Let's see who can do it faster. Ha ha. Ah. Oh, my computer's failing on me. All right, here we go. Here we go. Black Flag PS3. Yes, it was a PS3 game. So I mean, if we didn't have if from the get-go like because you know that these studios are told in advance like hey there will or will not be backwards compatibility if there wasn't backwards compatibility they would just release it on both systems in those first early early months like cyberpunk would have 100 percent had a ps5 and a ps3 or ps4 release if there wasn't this backwards compatibility thing yeah i i find that a lot of the backwards compatibility like people that are like desperate for are the ones that think that the industry is the worst it's ever been. And I got to make a long, I got, I plan to, to sit down for like an hour and just go through every point that I've come up with to counter that. Yeah. Or every point to that, like, I want to do like a video where it's like, it's like, here's the re here's the actual reasons why you think this way. Because I think anyone who says that the industry, like the, like there's no, the gaming isn't as fun as it used to be. There are a thousand reasons why that's actually the case for you. And none of them actually lead to the games being terrible. Yeah, like it's, like it, the the simplest example is that we put nostalgia way too high. We think every game that we remember 
is a 10 times better than it actually is. Now, in 100%. some cases, some of them are great. Like, obviously, Super Mario is pretty damn good. Like, you can go back and play that over and over. But, like, there are some games on my shelf alone for PS2. And I know this because I went and played some of them when I first moved into this apartment because I took all my stuff out and was like, oh, yeah, I haven't played my PlayStation 2 in forever. I should go back and play some of these things. And I popped some of these discs in and I went, this game's actually not as good as I remember. Yeah, I, and that's not to say they're not good, but it's just like, like I said, we iterate on each each release. and Well, and we these hold- games were also fresh. Yeah. So the content was fresh, the story was fresh, the gameplay was fresh because that was the best gameplay offered back then. But you play mm-hmm. a game, you play a PS2 like shooter right now, and then you play Call of Duty on PS5, oh, you wouldn't even dare go back to the PS2 version. Yeah, but 100%. You will remember that PS2 version the same way that you probably play your PS5 game now. The difference is and and I'll I'll do like the one like obvious reason was the nostalgia thing. Here's the most real reason and like the depressingly real reason. Most of us are adults now. We have responsibilities and life sucks for a lot of people right now. Not just because of the pandemic, but because of like what everything else is in life. You know. Adulting. We can just call it adulting. All- all the things that exist out in the world right now that are actingly depressing the crap out of us, it puts everything on a downer. So everything seems worse. And because the industry is bigger than it's ever been, you see more of the horrible game development stories. Like you see your cyberpunk fails. You see what Star Wars Battlefront 2 ended up being. You see what um, what Anthem and Avengers have been. You see, You remember all the bad stuff immediately, but you forget all the bad stuff that you probably sifted through when you were a kid too. And some of them you probably think were great just because you were a kid and didn't know any better. Well, that's the other thing is like, like we don't, you don't see the amount of like we never had the amount of like podcasts and, and um, like gaming news and websites. Like we had Nintendo Power, but there weren't like fifty just, Nintendo Powers on the shelf every day that we could read. Like there was that and maybe a couple more things. And most of them were corporate shill websites. Like yeah, they were magazines. never negative. Yeah. So, and I mean. You, it was mostly just like your circle of friends and like, you know, you only have so much money for a video game and you bought the wrong one. You're not going to admit that, Hey, I bought a garbage game. Like I got Wario's woods on super Nintendo and it's just a friggin' like Tetris game. And I had to teach, like tell myself constantly, no, this is a great game when I could have been playing like link to the past, which I never got to own. So, you know, when you're that age too, and especially, you know, because you didn't have financial control over what you got, you just had to force yourself to like whatever you had because it's all you had. Now yeah. you have full control over what you get. So if you get something that's not as good as you thought it was going to be, all of a sudden it just sticks It sticks in your craw because that's money that you spent. I guess it's like like you said, what was impressive then is not necessarily impressive now. So I have a story about this. Like It's a little bit of a tangent. But did you ever watch the I mean, we've already gone on a pretty big one. So Yeah. Have you ever watched uh, 28 Days Later? Uh, I know of it, but I never watched the movie. I'm okay. not too big on those So ones. I watched it, not right when it came out, but shortly after it came out. And I'm like, man, this movie is awesome. And it is a good movie. I'm not taking that away. But like, I remember it looking like some sort of blockbuster movie. It looked great. Uh, my dad was watching it this like yesterday, I think. And I looked at it, and it honestly looks like it's filmed by a bunch of college students. Like... And I remember back then, I'm like, no, this is like, it looks great. It looks professional. It looks like high production value. It wasn't, but like, I remember it being that way. And then I see it today. I'm like, oof, this did not age well. And I think that's the same with video games. Like we look at them, like 
the 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 go-to for everyone is Goldeneye. Like Goldeneye back in the day was, oh my god, holy crap, it looks like Pierce Brosnan. Now it doesn't, and it looks actually terrible. So I think it's one of those unless, unless you play on big head or DK mode, then it looks amazing. Yeah. So I think it's one of those we we like the idea. I mean, it's obviously as consumers like it's a better value for us, but I don't think it's something that we genuinely need or something that we need to focus on. And right and I now, don't even need I don't even need data to prove that not enough people would play it for it to be like a viable option to be like that's your focus. Yeah. So if you do it, it's a nice addition, but it should never be like Xbox, Sony, or Nintendo's focus. It never should be. You should always yeah. be focusing on your future because that's where the money's going to be made. Yeah, and like I said. We're going to be, in a, in eight months' time, we're going to be playing our new games, and we're not going to be craving this backwards compatibility like we are now. And like, and like anybody said, you know, when we were waiting for the PS5, would it have been nice to be able to just stick your copy of Final Fantasy VII on PlayStation in your console and play it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But did you need to? No, not really. You didn't yeah. need to. You, If you own a copy of it, chances are you have a PlayStation or a PlayStation 2 that you can play it on. So. Yeah. You you weren't desperate for it. You just want to be able to have it all in one box so you don't have to plug the other one in. That's all it is. You want exactly. it all in one box. And if you want it all in one box, go get a Retron. Yeah, or PC. Yeah. Then you just spend your whole days updating updating drivers and getting graphics cards. We're not saying that, it's a, that backwards compatibility is a bad thing. We're just saying it doesn't need to be the, the be-all, end-all. And, and the, the thing is, like, especially right now, if backwards compatibility is something that's important to you like those are the people who hold on to their consoles right like if you if you want like if you want to play your old games like hold on to the consoles or you know it's gonna be easier and easier to find one as people switch over more and more they're gonna be selling their ps4s and their xbox threes xbox ones and yeah it's it's there if you want it but i don't think it's necessary no speaking of new games versus old games i've got a timely untimely review for you so uh i think i mentioned a couple weeks ago that i was playing hitman 3 uh i've since finished the game uh adam have you ever gotten into the play the hitman games i never played the originals like on um uh, i guess it would have been ps2 it started on uh yeah around that time and the only one that i did play was the newest like the reboot like the initial reboot and i played it for a little bit and I, it's not my thing just because I'm too impatient to play those games. It's the same reason why up until like Metal Gear Solid Five, I really struggled with those games because I'm not patient enough. And Hitman yeah. too, like you got to pick your spots. Hitman, you have to pick your spots so well. And I'm just like, I just want to kill stuff. I just want to take this wrench, throw it at your face and be done with it. And it does let me do that, but then I get caught and get shot and it's not so fun anymore. But... Um, you know, I, the little that I play with it, and I've seen, like, people have a lot of fun with it. That's awesome. But, like, I can see t- where it fits with some people. It just, it, I'd rather just take a shotgun, run at somebody, and just stick it up their butt and just be like, boop. And just, <laughs> and you're, and you're just a cloud of blood at this point. Yeah, so, I, I'm, I'm the opposite. I've always been a Hitman fan. I've played everything from, um, the original ones up until now, even Absolution, Hitman Go. I love those games. I'm a big stealth um, game kind of person. And so for me, I I really like this one. I think this is the best of the, the three of the new trilogy. Uh, I thought the levels were really neat. Um, I, like, I, I, I like the fact that 
for me, Hitman is more, it's a puzzle game more than anything. It's not a, it is a stealth game, but it's more of a puzzle game. Like you're trying to move all these puzzle pieces into a row and the payoff being these massive story driven kind of um, missions. So like I, I did one where like I drop like you drop chandeliers on people, but you have to like trigger these people to talk to these people in order, and you have to be dressed like this. So like the one level that everyone's been talking about is um, there's one where you're at like this manor, and it's basically like a knives out kind of game where you can become a detective and solve this mystery, and there's just so many ways that you can like make it go or, like go through. And I was able to like complete objectives doing like following this this little puzzle and I thought it was really neat. Um, but there's a whole bunch of other ones. So like there's one where you're in Germany and this one was one that I didn't hear a lot about, but it's a really cool level where typically when you start a Hitman level, there is um, a set target or, or, or a pair of targets and you know who they are from the get go. In this one, you don't know who your targets are and you just have to kind of explore the map and find them throughout the crowd and just kind of take them out as you need to. And I thought that level was really neat. Um, the level design is really neat. The graphics are really cool. Um, I thought that the levels were very inventive in how they worked. Um, like I said, the Berlin level was really neat. Um, the vineyard one was kind of cool. I had a little bit of a glitch on that one, so it wasn't super impressive. But I was blown away, and, and I really liked the levels. I thought they were inventive. I thought the story was pretty good. Like, if you haven't played the other two, you might get a little lost. But, I mean, it's not that hard to follow, and it's not that critical to the game. So for me, I was really impressed. I thought that the AI was really good. Like the first ones I felt, and I might be remembering this wrong, I may have just sucked at the game, but I felt that the first one was kind of BS in that if you wore like a security guard outfit, all the security guards would know that you're an imposter. So you have to avoid them. This one, it's not so much the case. Like this one is like, there's a couple guys, almost like supervisors who know who's on their team, but then you have like just normal people who are like, yeah, I don't really care. It's a little more forgiving at that point. Exactly. And so I thought it was really neat. Having the leaderboards was really cool. I'm really impressed with it. I really liked it. I'm curious to see where they're going to go with it. I know that they're probably going to take a break because they're working on a James Bond game now. But I was really excited and I'm down. with how this game went. Yeah. If this is like a, an idea of what it's going to be like, I think it's going to go really well. So, yeah, for my review, I would say it's great. I'd give it like a 9 out of 10. Um, the only gripe I would really have with it is I had a little bit of glitching on the vineyard level um it kind of crapped out a little bit on me but i was able to get it done and this is one of those games where you are meant to play the levels over and over and master them and i'm not always that kind of player so for me like the game can be short if you're just looking to blow through the levels and come back and not come back then it's gonna be pretty pretty short i i like to do the story missions and then kind of leave it at that and that for me is enough but i would say that if you are someone who just plays a level once and you're not looking to replay it, it can be short and it might be worth waiting for a sale. But if you're one of those people who you like the challenges, you like the aspects, you like the leaderboards, it's a really, really good game. So like I said, I'd give it a nine out of 10. Yeah. And I mean, it's, again, it's, it's, it's one of those games too, where it's, it has its niche and it clearly does that very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, so I, I feel like I pay, I think I paid full price for this game. And I feel like the Hitman games are good, but I almost feel like they just need to be like a smidge down in price. Like they're not a discount budget, you know, indie game, but they're also, I don't find that they're worth that for the amount of content that you're getting. I don't know if they're necessarily that triple A 
I guess the expectation is that they figure like you are going to be playing it several times. And if you're the person that's like, I'm running through it once and then I'm good. Yeah. 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 I I mean, mean, I'm not putting this one away. Like this one is, I bought this one digitally. So it can kind of just sit on my hard drive. um, And I can just kind of turn it on when I'm, you know, looking for a break from whatever I'm playing. Um, But it's not one that I'm going to kind of keep in my hard drive and constantly come back to. It's going to be one that it's just like, Oh, I'm, Kind of got some time to kill. I'm going to go do this mission right now. So, yeah. That's Hitman 3 review. Pixel play approved. Pixel played. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm here because I haven't played it, so it doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you might... Think of it. I, don't I, think can't, of it like I, can't, I can't turn my thumb into a question mark, so I, 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 I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> yeah. Well... I, I give it the pixel play it approval. Pixel play it. Adam, that concludes what we've got on docket. Is there anything that we, any ideas, anything that we haven't brought up that you are dying to share with our listeners? I would love to talk about how The Last of Us is the worst game ever made and any Naughty Dog fan needs to just go home. I am home. <laughs> oh, well, well then I guess, <laughs> I, I, I guess you can just go. Stay there. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Very well then. But otherwise, no. It's it's been a relatively quiet news week. E three just came out of like a few hours ago, so that was like the one real like big thing. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. It's we're getting close now that we're getting to the spring. You're gonna start seeing the news start to pick up again because now we're starting to get set for the summer. Not to mention with with uh, vaccines getting given out, it's gonna start getting a little bit more uh, interesting because now you would imagine that some teams are gonna start getting getting ready to get going again. So you know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what that means for production. Like, how how have they been doing in terms of working remotely? Has it been working? It's or? it's okay though. We're still gonna have to pay three thousand dollars if we want a new uh, graphics card. That's still gonna that's not changing for a while. Just come to a console, PC nerds. We can't get those either. Well, that's that, that's true. But we got backwards compatibility. They're slightly they're slightly cheaper. They only cost you about fifteen hundred dollars. But exactly. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time um, being here, please like, subscribe, follow us. Um, We are on all the socials. Uh, If you want to listen to us on audio, we are at anchor FM forward slash pixel play cast. We are on Twitter at pixel play cast, Instagram pixel play cast. If you want to email us any questions, sponsorship, or throw us some money, pixel play podcast at gmail.com. Don't know how that's going to work. Probably don't even need it, but yeah. Just throw out there. If you have any questions you want us to talk about on the show, we're happy to do so. Or um, just hate mail. We'll take any mail at this point. Yeah, you know, at this point, you know, any. We're desperate any for attention, though, you know? Yeah, you know what? If you send it to us, we'll read it on the air, maybe. Well, it depends. Depends on the language. We won't We won't read it on the air, but we can. <laughs> if you have a question, we're happy to talk about it. Um, if, like I said, if it's your first time, you know, subscribe. If you've been one of our regular listeners, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, it means a lot to us, and it gives us our self-worth so we greatly appreciate it um we just do ask if you if you're enjoying the show share it with your friends share it with your family uh your grandma might really you know enjoy the podcast you know she's not really keeping up with the games news maybe this might be a good I entry really point for her i don't like that guy who says mean things about cyberpunk <laughs> so yeah if you're one of our regulars thank you so much share us out and we will see you guys next week bye for now